tonight we're going to be talking about finances. You know, when you say finances at church, sometimes I see people get a little bit of shivers kind of go down. Uh, we, we have not really had like business meetings here. I don't think we've ever voted on anything. Um, and even explaining that is important to me. When it comes to finances, if we're talking about finances, I think it's important for us to understand why the finances. What's the value? What's the vision behind it? And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about New Horizons, um, our culture, and our, our values. Where do, where do they come from? We're going to talk this morning about New Horizons Christian Fellowship culture in preparation for us tonight to talk some about finances. So turn to Acts chapter 29 quickly, if you would. <clears throat> That's what we're going to talk about. This is, th this is the culture of New Horizons. It's found in Acts chapter 29. <clears throat> Tell me when you get there. <clears throat> what? <clears throat> it's not there, is it? No, we're living it. We're living it. We're the next chapter. Acts is the Acts of, of the disciples that were following the Great Commission. We're living Acts 29. One time I was, I was uh, in, in England. We were living in England and, and the School of Biblical Studies at King's Lodge. Phil Leeds, who was the director there, they were famous for, for their School of Biblical Studies. He called me and said, Johnny, I want you to come teach in our School of Biblical Studies. And I said, awesome, man. I said, what are we studying? Because they do a book at a time. And, and uh, he, he said, uh, I want you to talk on Acts 29. I went, got it, man. I love Acts. Y'all, I had to call him back. He was asking me to teach on Acts. Hey, I hadn't seen you. <laughs> he was asking me to teach on Acts 29, and he knew he had me. He said, I want you to come talk about missions, Johnny. Where did it go from there? And, and, and that's what we spent that whole week looking at what God was doing in missions. Can you imagine being one of the disciples? You're with Jesus. You don't read the Gospels. <laughs> you live it. Can you imagine being the apostles? And Jesus goes up into the sky. And he says, they say, hey, he's coming back. And you're going, oh, man, what do we do now? And then you start experiencing what 40 days he spent talking about. Acts 1, 3 says it was about the kingdom of God. 40 days of his resurrection summed up in the kingdom of God. And now they got it. They realize all of the little seeds that Jesus sowed into their lives began to make sense. And they eventually, all the apostles, ended up as martyrs except for John who went, was exiled to the island of Patmos, but he was boiled, boiled alive, martyred. These guys got it. They went around the world. They lived it out. Y'all, they didn't have to read about what you do in the New Testament church. They did it. And then they wrote. They wrote. The, the apostles began to write to the, the church of that day and say, here's the foundation, y'all. Let's stick with it. Why is this important? Let me tell you. When I was in junior high, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story today. When I was in junior high, I read through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. 
I did it again as a, as a senior high school student. I started in Genesis and went to Revelation. I don't know how many times I did that before I finished high school, but I know that I was, I loved the, the Bible. I loved the Word of God. It, it, it went deep into me in those days. And, and then I got a chance to, I, th- I thought I was going to be a band director. Did y'all know I play trumpet? And I enjoyed actually leading. I was a president of the band at Starfield Academy. We had over 100 members in our band back in those days. And I was president of our band, the captain of our band for two years. And, and I got a chance to direct the band. And I thought, I'm going to be a band director. And then I started a music group and got to be a part of that. And I thought, you know, I'm enjoying music so much. And I love Jesus so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into, back in those days, we call them music directors. And uh, that's what I was going to do. But I joined the band in 1978 my junior year of college, and went to Asia. And I toured Asia, playing the guitar, playing the trumpet, and singing. Not all at the same time. <clears throat> but y'all, the first time, the first country, we were in Hong Kong, I looked out at night, and I saw the lights flickering off. And I thought, how many people lived in that big city? This Starful boy saw this big city, and I thought, they're dying. Do they know Jesus? And I knew they didn't. There were pockets of Christianity. Then I went to Thailand, and I got off the plane, and I rode in the bus to our hotel from Bangkok Airport to the hotel, and I watched people bowing, bowing down in front of spirit houses, and, 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 and out of fear of demonic spirits, paying some kind of homage to these demonic spirits. And I thought, I can't, I can't live the same anymore. I'm messed up. I said, I, I, I've got to go tell these people about Jesus. And then I went to Indonesia, densely populated Muslim country. Y'all, I saw a witch doctor come to know Jesus in the jungle. I saw two Chinese boat deckhands on a Chinese junk come to know Jesus. We were at all the major universities and television stations, and I said, I'm wrecked. We went to Philippines, Singapore, and the Philippines at the Baptist World Youth Alliance. And we were the worship band for that event. And y'all, people from all around the world came to that event in Manila, Philippines. And I saw the world gathering together, all of these different peoples. And I said, I cannot live the same. So I came back and finished my music degree. And I went to seminary. And the reason I did was because I was a a, a, uh, Caleb, would you mind going and get me a glass of water, please? Thank you. Oh, John's going. Thanks. Are y- y'all okay? We're going to get to Acts 29. Okay? So I, I, I went, went to, to seminary, but the reason I went was not to be a Baptist pastor. That's the reason when you ask me, uh, call me pastor in the early days, I'd say, don't call me one of those. I'll call you one right back. Because I hadn't bought into the system that, were, that was Baptist. I just knew I needed to be out there sharing Jesus with the, with the witch doctor. And I knew that there were folks that weren't doing it. There's plenty of people staying in, here in the States. And I said, I'm giving my life to that. And then I married somebody more radical than me. And folks used to say, they'd say, you're dragging Debbie off the mission. And I said, ain't no dragon. She's pushing. She's pushing me. 
Y'all, I saw God's heart. Thank you, John. I saw, I better put this back here because I feel excited right now. I saw the world with God's eyes. And I, I began to have a heart for people that were the least reached. And, and so I went to seminary, not to be a pastor, to, but to, to go into missions. That was the route for Southern Baptists to be in the foreign mission board. You had to finish seminary. But y'all, I got smacked right there in Fort Worth. I went out into the streets on Hemphill Street. And one night, as I was going out to get something to eat, I saw a drunk guy on the side of the road. I pulled over. And I thought, he was laying in the gutter. I pulled over there. I sat him up on the curb. And I went, hey, dude, you Okay. And I got to love on this guy. I'm not going to tell the whole story. It's incredible. Saw this guy receiving the love of God. It was a powerful time. But I went out another night on the same road, and I started seeing others. And I realized that street was full of people. There were homeless folks. There, there were folks that were bound up with, with addictions. Some that were really taggable in our society, but hidden you know, in, in some of the the, the, even the churches and in our institutions. It was very real. And I, I saw prostitutes, male and female. And I saw God's heart for them. And I went, oh my goodness. My heart couldn't take it. God's heart is for those that are broken, that are hurting. God's heart is for those that have never heard the name Jesus. God's heart is to reach. I, it's not just those that are poor. I'm talking about not just the down and out, but the up and out. Y'all, I've, I've been with heads of state and, and even with royalty. And they've got the same problems. And nobody's talking to them because they just assume. They've gotten good at hiding it. But the problem is there. So I'm out in the street and y'all, I begin to see things in the street. And it scared me. I began to see some spiritual warfare happening. I saw some of the the evil forces of darkness. And, and some of them actually talked to me. And I was going, whoa, man, check it out. Through people. Scared this boy. I'm going, man, how did these things get here? I don't ever see that in Starkville. It wasn't that they weren't there. It's I didn't see them. And I began to realize that the spiritual warfare was very real. And I got desperate. I went to my classes, and as much as I loved my classes, I learned original languages there. I learned how to minister to people. I'm so thankful for my seminary days. But y'all in the streets, I began to see things that I couldn't handle. And I didn't have anybody that could tell me. I thought, well, shoot, I'm just going to go read the book. And I, I read and saw what Jesus did. I went, I'm going to do that. Next time, I'm doing that. And, and I read Acts, and I began to understand what the apostles started to do. And I realized that they had the answers that I was looking for. Do, do you see that we in Christianity, we get so bought into the religious systems. And, and, and y'all, I'm not putting down the people in those religious systems. I'm saying that we get so wrapped up in the, in the structures, in budgets, in, in, in five-year plans, and ten-year plans, and God can't slip into it. And I, I began to realize there was a living thing going on inside of me. Y'all, I began to read Acts, and I began to understand. And I started practicing. Y'all, at first it didn't work. 
I, I was like the seven sons of Siva in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. <laughs> they didn't work too good for me. I started fasting and praying. And then the Lord put somebody in the streets that began to walk with me and disciple me. He taught me. This guy never, he's from Mississippi, African-American man. And he, he, this guy had not graduated from high school. He came to know Jesus in prison. But he's probably one of the smartest men I've ever met. And he took me under his wing. And he taught me how to pray, how to read the Bible, and how to do spiritual warfare. I skipped my knees. I busted my elbows. But I began to learn some things. Y'all, the reason I'm saying this is because I chose then never to let systems dictate to me. I chose then. I'm all in. But I'm not playing with this. I'm either doing what the book of Acts says, what the gospel show, or I'm not in it. I'm not playing a game. And I know you well enough to know that that's where you are. Y'all, this has marked me and it put something in my DNA that everything that Debbie and I have been a part of over the years, is, it's carried with us. Okay? Are you interested? Some of you look at, at us here at New Horizon and you go, where'd you get that? And I go, I really don't know. I can show you some things in Acts. I had an opportunity when I left one fellowship to join another fellowship here and be a pastor of a large church. And the Lord showed me, yeah, you could do that. But you're just going to take on all their problems. And then it's kind of like, well, you can start something new and have your own problems. Fact is, every church has got their problems. If you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. And the Lord had a small group that was meeting in a house that asked me and Debbie to come share one night. And as we did, we sensed the presence of the Lord, the affirmation of the Lord. And y'all, in that little house, they said, would you help us go to the next level? And the next thing I knew, we were in a bar. A bar. It was a bar that hadn't been used for years. It was at the old university inn. And y'all, God <laughs> fell on that place the first time we met. I was expecting about 10 or 15 it was 75 people that joined in. And something began happening there. And the Lord showed me. This is, we didn't have a name. It took us about six months to come up with a name, didn't it, didn't it Debbie? Y'all? And the Lord showed me. It's not about the name. It's not about the organization. It is about his body here in this city. <clears throat> Y'all, if we ever get about just building our little kingdom, we're going to miss his kingdom. For his kingdom to come, our kingdoms have to go. It gets sucked into his kingdom, his greater plans, his purposes. Y'all, we, we, we don't do a lot of advertisement. Leonard Ravenhill said, you don't have to advertise a fire. And y'all, I don't want folks to come if God's not leading them to come. So don't go out there and just grab people and bring them in here. That's coming here evangelism. We won't go and tell evangelism. Go lead them to Jesus. Walk with them a little bit. You see that hunger, bring them on in. I'm not saying don't bring lost people here. I'm just telling you. 
I'm not about building some group and number. You hear? <laughs> so, John, I love you, man. Bro, don't be sorry. This guy here, this last week, we've been talking by text. I get fired up every time I talk to him. <laughs> Ethan came up and put his hand on my back. I was talking to somebody else this morning. And uh, I knew somebody was there. Touched me on the back and he walked off. And I looked and I thought, that's Ethan. I said, Ethan, did you just touch me? Did you just touch the hem of my shirt? Because I felt the power come in. <laughs> right? When we're around each other, when we're rubbing shoulders with each other, the power of God comes. Y'all, when we're worshiping, Jay, dude, this morning, I, you could have just stopped at that little beginning thing when you were talking to God and, and seeing him on his throne. Oh, dude, man, you just opened my eyes into the eternal realm. Keep leading us that way. Thank you for your service. So we don't have time to look at the whole book of Acts. Let's just take one little section. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Now, y'all are used to me having little clever words, right? And, and you try to figure it out while I'm doing it. Let me just tell you, there's no clever word in this one today, I promise you. But I do have a plan. If this will work. Pete, you may have to help me. Yes, just go to one. There you go. These are my points today. And you can see it's above. And it's on purpose. This is not a trick. Because tonight I'm expecting you to come back with a word. This is going to be your responsibility. Okay? You come back with a word that says what this is. I want you to, let's read together the word from Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Listen to this. If we can just get this in our spirit, we'll have revival. Verse 41. So those who accepted his message, this is after Peter's message, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Sorry, I've got to stop. Can you imagine 3,000 at one time added? They started out with 12, had 120. And now 120 just all of a sudden, boom, becomes 3,000 after one sermon. I want to go look at that sermon, right? You will. Not today. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. That's our four points right there. You come back with a, a word tonight that sums this up because this sums up what I believe God's culture is for us at New Horizons. All right? Verse 43, this is cool. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were, were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. You know, I had a revelation about that. Every day they were meeting in the temple complex, and then it says house to house they do things. If, if you have that happening, see what happened? You had 120 disciples that, that, that they knew. They'd been around it. 
3,000 get added, how do you teach them what you've taken three years to get and 40 days to summarize? How do you do that? Y'all, it takes an everyday thing. They went through a crash course. And every day, and here's what hit me. No wonder they had to sell a few possessions. Because if they didn't, somebody was going to miss it because they had to go build something to sell it to eat. And they had to share with one another at the beginning because they wanted all to be there. They were in the temple. Look at this. <clears throat> they were together and held all things in common. It says every day, verse 46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food and with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. Get this. Here it is, last verse. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Every day. Every day they were in the temple meeting together. Every day they were in their houses breaking bread and, and eating a meal together. Every day they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, which is communion, and to prayer. Those thing, four things mark the early church. When I'm reading through the Acts and trying to figure out how we do this thing, and I'm bumping into demonic stuff, and I'm going, Lord, help me. I realized I couldn't do this. God didn't want a mighty warrior. He wanted an army. He wanted a soldier. A soldier is not a mighty warrior. Yes, he wants us to be mighty warriors. But a soldier knows how to be a part of a family that works together. So I began to read Acts and, and went, okay. Y'all, we started a street church. And we, we ended up with about 200 people meeting every Sunday morning at 5 o'clock in the morning in the water gardens in Fort Worth, Texas. We ended up with about 60, 70 uh, seminary students that were alongside of us. We would meet and worship. We started out. First day I was there, I carried a, a dozen donuts into to the water gardens. And, and I shared with four guys there. I, I'd been there the previous Sunday at, in the morning trying to pick up a guy that I'd led to Jesus the night before, he was from Nigeria. He didn't show up, but I saw four guys tumble out, out of the bushes when the sprinklers went off in the park. And I realized the homeless were living there. So I said, I got my crew right there. And y'all, I went with a dozen donuts and shared Jesus with four people. Three of them rededicated their lives and one of them came to Jesus, born again. And it grew to where we had over 200 people meeting there every Sunday. Every Sunday. Rain, snow, heat, and it can get hot in Texas. And we didn't know what we were doing. People ask me even today, Johnny, you're so good at starting ministries and businesses and doing all these things around the world. Would you come share? How'd you get that start? They want me to start with Fort Worth Street Ministry. They say, how do you start? How do you have a vision for that? And I went, I didn't. I just loved a drunk guy on the corner of a street. I happened to be riding down the road and saw him. We, at one point, we had a ministry called the Loading Zone here in Starkville. Y'all, I, I don't have time to talk about it. It was so powerful. Folks in other states were coming to the Loading Zone. We saw in two years, 1,600 young people come to know Jesus in this area. Not all of them were at the Loading Zone. But I'm telling you, it was a direct 
result of them praying. And the Lord said, that's just mercy drops. I'm coming again. Next time it's going to have college students involved and you, it will be unstoppable. People would come from other states and say, would you come and do one of these loading zones in our place? I'm, no. Why not? It's a good thing. Yeah, it's good. Come do that youth ministry there. I said, no. We're not franchising this. Why? Because we came here and found out what God was doing and he was moving with the high school students. He was moving in that way. You go to your city and find out what he's wanting to do there. It might be in the nursing home. Jonathan, he's not in here. They're teaching children's class today. I mentioned it earlier. Will we be willing to say, God, what are you doing? We made a commitment early on at New Horizons that we weren't going to do anything. It'd be easy to start something. You can start something. Golly, I've started so many things that I had to shut down. Sometimes you start things that will eat you up. We said we weren't going to start anything unless it came to us in prayer. <clears throat> so those were the early days of New Horizons, the, the, uh, the church. Let's, let's just look at this. Go on, Pete. This is, oh, wait. Is that me? Uh, there we stop right there. Apostles teaching. Let's talk about that a little bit. What does apostle mean? Sent one. Right? They're going. Go ahead and hit the next two. So two things I want you to get from this. The sent ones focus simply on Jesus. And they use the scripture. How do I know? Because I know the apostles' teaching. Y'all just think with me. This makes sense. If you were an apostle and you just spent 40 days with Jesus, understanding the kingdom of God from Luke chapter 24, and he took them from the writings of Moses through the prophets and the history and the Psalms. That's the whole Old Testament. Genesis through Malachi. He spent 40 days going through that scripture and teaching them about the kingdom. And it says in Luke 24, revealing himself in that scripture. So those, those, those 40 days were from the scripture. That was the textbook. Genesis to Revelation. I mean, not Revelation, Malachi. They were living the rest of the New Testament. They were looking at the scripture and they were looking simply at Jesus. Can you imagine those 3,000? Y'all get to the next chapter and it's 5,000. Can you imagine that kind of explosion? How do you train those folks? I can imagine the apostles. Everybody goes, hey, I want to, this is all about Jesus. I want to hear. And I can imagine the apostles just going, hey, you go get that corner over there. You get that corner. Man, folks will be coming up and tell us about it. Now, they didn't wax eloquent about doctrine. Here's what they did. This is what it was like walking with Jesus. And this is what he told us to do. They told stories. How do I know? Because after they told them so much and they realized time was passing on, folks were going, we got to get this. we got to get it. And so they said, all right, we're living it. We lived it. Let's put down in four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus and how we walked with them. They told it so many times. They actually look similar. So those early days, the apostles' teachings were from the scripture. Y'all, I want to tell you, you will get 
You will get transformed if you get the word of God into your noggin and into your heart. Meditate on it. Don't just read it. Get it in your head and into your heart. Let it saturate you, baptize you, permeate you. Okay? They used the scripture, but they brought it simply to Jesus. Well, what are all these other books about? What are these letters about? The letters are there to encourage the saints and to correct the saints. And that's what they did in Acts 29. That, some of that's explained in Acts, in, the, in Acts 28 and before. But those letters were written to encourage the saints and to correct them. The apostles would bring them back to the foundation. So much so that in Ephesians, Paul says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. There were 12 apostles. Okay? I believe Paul was the 12th one. I know they gambled and brought Matthias or whatever his name is, but I believe Paul's the one. He argued for that point. He actually spent time with Jesus on that road. And I believe three years alone with him, and Jesus discipled him. But these were ones that saw Jesus and simply reminded them of him. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, Paul says, I'm concerned that you be pulled away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Y'all, when it gets complicated, watch out. The church is not built on the foundation of the teachers. And the reason is, teachers are important, but they're a part of the growing. We need to continually grow in our understanding of truth. But the apostles always brought it back to simply Jesus. Now here, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is an important part of our DNA here at New Horizons. I've had people say, why do we do so many things with other churches around? You're always talking about serving other folks. Why don't we build things here? First of all, we don't build nothing. Jesus said, I will build my church. And y'all, I've been a part of things that men built and it's, it'll eat you up. I don't want no part of it. I'll make I'll be a missionary into it. You hear what I'm saying? All right, so. Apostles. First Corinthians. He wrote First Corinthians to a divided church. The church was divided. Y'all, sometimes we use to, to define our 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 denomination or the box that we want to fit in I just want to blow up all the boxes you know I embrace my Southern Baptist heritage I'm so thankful for it because it helped me to have an awareness and love for the word of God it helped me to see missions I saw God's heart for the world but y'all don't put me in a Baptist box I will be a Baptist to reach a Baptist but I'll be a Methodist to reach a Methodist and I'll be a Presbyterian to reach a Presbyterian. I'm going to try to find out where they are. And I have other people on the other side. And y'all, they will draw a circle to keep you out. If they can determine that you're a Southern Baptist, they'll go, hmm, well, I'm Methodist. I've led worship. I would be leading worship. In the times, in those early days when I was going, I don't understand how to do this. Not only would I go to the Word, but God would put me around godly people. That's how I got to know Jack Taylor. I was leading worship, and I would go with him to lead worship for him at places. Y'all, I can't remember a thing he taught about in those camps or in those churches. 
I don't remember a thing he said. I don't remember a song I led. I don't remember how many people responded. But I do know this. In the car, on the way there, I asked him questions. And he gave me the depth of his understanding from the word. His revelation became mine. And I became a son. I was hungry. Y'all, in the midst of all of that, I began to see these boxes. People would draw a box. They would see me leading worship. I'd have people come up to me in a Baptist church. I know about you. I can tell. You're not a normal Baptist, are you? I knew what was coming. Are you filled with the Spirit? Do you speak in tongues? And, and here's what people would do. If I was charismatic, they'd go, I am too. But if they were not charismatic, and they said, are you charismatic? They'd go, I am this. And a wall would come up. You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to blow that box up. You say, you're charismatic. I'm going to go, Here's, if I know that they're wanting to have an argument with me, this is part of our DNA, sorry. If you want to have an argument with me, I will agree with you. If you say I'm wrong, I'll say I know I am. I just don't know where, but do you know that you are? Because we can't agree on this, we're both wrong. But if you draw a circle to keep me out, I'm going to draw a bigger circle that will include you. You can't fight me, I'm going to hug you. So if you call me a charismatic, and I know that you're a non-charismatic, here's what I say. I just love Jesus. And I love his word, don't you? That's the big circle. Don't let the boxes define you. Why do, we, why do we value the diversity of different denominations and theologies? It's not a theological thing. It's a Jesus thing. Y'all, it comes back to simply Jesus. Simply Jesus, the foundation of the word. Simply Jesus, the gospel. Gospel of grace that doesn't give license to sin. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, if we had time today, we'd take this one apart. The apostolic. Because we're meant to be going. I'm going to just, I'm going to give you some scripture here. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. It's the great commission. Somebody says it's the great omission. But if you look at that, if we had time, we'd look at every verb in that passage. And you would see there's one imperative. Everything else is a participle. It's saying, doing these things, do this. And, and y'all, it's not go. Go is a participle. As you are going, going. The one imperative is Matthew, Matatusate, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. Come on, right, Joe John? Listen, to baptize them, they got to get Jesus. And then you baptize them quickly. You want them to be permeated with the Spirit of God, a new living creature. Born again. Right? So here's the deal. You're going. And it says to all nations. Everybody say all nations. That wasn't good enough. All nations. 
If we had time, we'd start in Genesis and I would show you the kingdom of God. First command to man was to subdue the earth, rule over the fish, the, the fowl, the plants. Everywhere you go, kingdomize it, rule over it, take dominion over it. One thing we're not to take dominion over. You can do it over the things that swim, the things that fly, and the thing that creeps, but not man. We're not meant to rule over man. We're meant to respect the image of God in every man and woman. And that's, that's something, right? But the second part of that is multiply and fill the earth with the kingdom of God. Y'all, at Noah's time, they filled the earth, but it was with violence. In Babel, they filled the earth, and they came back together to build a temple. I mean, a tower. It, it, it was filled with wickedness. God's command is to go to all nations. Say all nations now. Matthew 24, 14 says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations. Say all nations. And then my time will come, Jesus said. If you want to see God moving, we've got to prepare for his return. And it's all nations. But it's as you go. Y'all, tomorrow you're going to go somewhere. As you go, you're supposed to be making disciples. God didn't call you out of the marketplace into a monastery so that you can have just a holy moment with God. He called you not out of the marketplace. We're busy taking people out of the marketplace when they get on fire for Jesus and putting them in monasteries. And we have holy huddles in religious cloisters and we call it church. I'm done with that mess. I'm not playing that game. Are you? I'm not satisfied with that. That's the reason half of y'all hadn't been involved in church before you came here. We can build the same thing here, and I'm not doing it. And I'm not leaving either. You're stuck with me. So, so <laughs> thank you. So, so listen, so, so God is about the relationship. And he's wanting us to see the foundation simply on Jesus. Y'all. I lost myself. Where was I? Where was I going? Oh, yeah, marketplace. Thank you, Keith. You, I need you to travel with me, sir. So, look, we take them out of the marketplace and put them in a monastery. God is about taking folks that are fired up for Jesus and get them out of the church and into the marketplace. We take people out and they can't even relate to somebody in the world. James Hamilton, you are the man. You just walk into every place and own it. When I call him, I say, yeah, the other day I said, does this Hamilton gas heater installment service? He said, no. Laugh. He said, no, it's Hamilton roofing today. But he carries Jesus wherever he goes. Are you carrying Jesus? As you go, make disciples. As you don't go, evangelize. I was talking to a, a, a guy, he was... He's one of the top engineers of Google. <laughs> he used to be here. Uh, he lives in Birmingham and, and commutes to Pittsburgh. And I was on the phone with him this, just a couple of days ago, and we were talking, and, and, and he said, Oh, Johnny, i got to tell you something. He said, I'm, I'm in a prayer group here at Google. And I said, a prayer group at Google? How did that happen? 
He said, yeah, I was in Singapore last week and met somebody there was in my prayer group. I stayed with them. And he starts detailing all the stuff about the prayer groups at Google. I said, what are you talking about? He said, there was a church up there in Pittsburgh that began to pray for their neighborhood and realized Google was in their neighborhood. They started praying for Google. The next thing you know, the pastor's leading a prayer group, and then they had prayer groups all throughout Google. And it spread through the Silicon Valley. I'm going, you've got to be kidding. Tell me that pastor's name. I want him. He said, Johnny. And he told me the link. He said, Johnny, go look this up. And I went to this website, and I look at it. Look at this. So that's the website, faithandworkmovement.org. And next, next slide. Look what it says. The next event is a 12-hour worship at Facebook headquarters. Did y'all hear me say that we need to be missionaries to Facebook? Do you hear me? It's as we go. Don't get out of Facebook. Get in it. Don't get out of Google. Get in it. Take dominion over it. Take the kingdom where you're going. Oh, that's apostolic. Man, we haven't done any of the other points. <laughs> Y'all, this is kingdom family that should be a family together. And, and when we talk about breaking bread, that's communion. But it also gives further explanation to it. It says breaking the bread again in that last part of Acts 2. And it says... <laughs> Breaking bread and eating supper together from house to house. We do pretty good at that at New Horizons. We cook some pretty good food. That's biblical. It builds the fellowship. It strengthens our relationship. It strengthens our koinonia. Y'all, that's, that's Acts 29. And I'll be satisfied with nothing less. And our budgets will reflect our values and our vision. Our money is going to see that kind of thing happen. And kingdom is about family. So next slide. This is what dads do with little boys. Oh, Jesus. He didn't see it. But watch. He made that tree. And he didn't even know the help he had. Play that one more time. Watch that. This is what spiritual fathers do with spiritual sons and daughters and mothers with daughters and sons and brothers and sisters. We come behind each other to help. You can't even see it. He didn't see that. Watch. He thinks he made it. That's kingdom family, y'all. You can't resign from that. You just do a good job or do a bad job. Kingdom family believes the best in one another. Calls out the kingdom in each other. Wherever two or more are gathered together in his name, there will be a fight. Sadly, that is the story. It shouldn't be that way. Can't go into any more. We've got to stop here. What's the application? What, what's the decision today? <clears throat> Jesus, I love it, Joe. Keep it simple. It is. Would you just say yes to Jesus afresh today? We're not saying yes to systems. We can create a system here at New Horizons that will be just as religious as any other. You can call it New Horizons denomination. Uh-uh. Not doing that. They 
are not they. They are we. We are one. Would you say yes to Jesus and yes to his body today? If we were taking communion, I'd be asking you, is there somebody that you're at odds with that you haven't tried as much as lies within you to be at peace with them? Would you choose right now to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to go get that right. Whether you've wronged them or they've wronged you, if they've wronged you, would you say, I forgive them right now? Your lack of forgiveness does not hurt them, it only hurts you. But if there's someone that you've wronged and you know, would you make a commitment and say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to go take care of business. They may reject you, but you will have been obedient. I'm not going to coach you on how to do it. If you want to know how, just go read. Matthew 6 and Matthew 28. The decision is to say yes to Jesus. The decision is to say yes to Jesus. I believe in you, not in religion. Not believing about you, but I believe in you. Today could be the day of your salvation. Today could be the day that you look back and say, I was born again that day. I went from darkness to light, from death to light. In Peter's message, he said, there's no other name given among men by which you may be saved. Yes, you can find seekers of God in every religion, even in Christianity, that have not been saved. Christianity can become a religion just like any of the others because it's about doing when you are. But the way to God is through one name. It's Jesus. Because He paid the price. He took our sin. And through Him we have forgiveness. You can be Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, or Christian religion. And if you have not believed in Jesus, you will bust hell wide open. And the fact is you're living in hell already. But if you say yes to Jesus... The name given among men by which there is no other name by which you might be saved. If you say yes to him now, today you can be born again. Don't walk out of this room. You're not promised another day without doing that. But how are we going to walk differently? Well, one thing, everybody's got a, a homework assignment. Come up with a word, a clever word that will help us remember our New Horizons DNA, our culture, and help us to understand that when we talk about money, we're not talking about a, a stagnant budget. We're talking about seeing the kingdom of God advance in our own lives, starting here and going to the uttermost.